mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out of the cold. Yo, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, fellas, how we doing tonight? Coping. Dandy. Yeah, so a lot of Giants trauma, and it's all very, very painful, and I'm so sorry to hear that for you. Commanders I don't, I don't know what you're way. talking about, Tom. I'm I'm cooling right now. Is that what we're calling trauma <laughs> these days? I mean, this is right, – we don't have to get into it right away, but – I mean, we are going to spend probably like 30 minutes trauma dumping on this fucking season for the Giants. I, I, I actually... might as well just throw you into the deep end right off of the door. My name is Rose. You're Jack, and I'm pushing you into the water as we speak. Oh, this water is chilly already. I'll never let go. Um, I'm, I, listen, I obviously, I'm not any, I'm not going to ever root for someone to get injured. So obviously I'm, you know, obviously I'm upset like for, eh, are you? No, no. I mean, I, I don't ever root for injury ever. So like, I hope, I hope Daniel Jones is completely healthy and everything like that. I hope he recovers fine. Having said that, I got a, I think we talked about this a lot last year that, didn't we feel like the playoffs, the, the nine, seven, and one season last year, the playoff win and everything like that, it felt great. But in the back of my mind, and I think in the back of your mind, we were both kind of like, fuck, now we're stuck with Daniel Jones. And like, he looked <laughs> fine last year. He had a couple really good moments. He played really strongly in a lot of areas. And it's like, you know, I, I love that for him. But like, at the end of the day, it's like, I still don't think he is a franchise quarterback. So it's like, we're now really kind of in a tough spot because it's like if now we're kind of just stuck and I, I didn't like, I also like the negotiations knowing full well that he was going to get at least $30 million a year. I was begging for them to just fucking franchise tag him and like, whatever the, the deal was what it was. We're stuck with it, but it just, it was just the perfect storm of shit because I would have rather had this happen this past year walk away with CJ Stroud and start over. And now we had that big bump year. Now it's a complete shit year. So it's just really a bad deviation from where we were, but I've talked about Caleb Williams. I've talked about Drake may. I look at those two guys and I say, either one of those guys has a extremely high ceiling, a much higher ceiling than Daniel Jones ever could have in his entire life. Um, from just a, from a pure passing standpoint, so if we can walk away with one of those guys, I'm more than willing to lose every single game going forward. I don't care. Um, I will say, Q, I don't think you all have a choice at this point, just given. No, they, but they like, but they, they could easily go get Cam Newton right now and sign Cam Newton to an $8 million deal, or they could go out and get Colin Kaepernick or somebody else that could easily elevate this team. What did they do? They got Jacob Eason, 
Matt Barkley and Tommy DeVito starting the Sunday. I mean, I like mean, the, come on, three stooges. I, I, I kind of want to just even go back because you, you do set this back to like where I think this all stems from, right? Like mm-hmm. a year ago, this time, the Giants were good. People were literally going around saying Daniel Jones is good at football. That was like the running joke, the meme at the moment. His stats right. weren't good, but his like they were winning games. His his but presence was good. His running ability, his pocket presence, everything like that. Yeah. In a, in a season where they had a very favorable schedule, mm-hmm. right last year, yep. they ended up doing something they did not expect to do because there was no expectation on them, and right. they played very well. Pl- played, I think, very simple football that just happened to be effective. Sort of lucky, yes. And they stayed. They they did a tremendous thing of staying in games. It was that Ben don't break and it was coming down to the wire and they were just, they were just nailing it. They were all working together as a team, as a unit, you know, I, this year things went right off the tracks right away. I mean, Brian DeBall was coach of the year last year, right? Like we, we forget that almost at this point because like of everything that has happened this season so far, I mean, it's halfway through the season and it's like, that must've been a, a, a fucking million years ago because it was, it was insane. It's wild. Yeah. Now, the thing the the thing that kind of I think happened was we came in with very high optimism, unrealistic optimism. I mean, everybody kind of said, "Oh, Giants are going to be competitive this year," because they saw the Giants doing things they've never done in preseason, and that was make smart, savvy moves, draft somewhat well. You know, there was a lot of optimism because these are these were uncharacteristic things of the organization. But then the minute that the season started, the Giants just happened to completely collapse and implode. And now they're starting to look for reasons to blame or figure out why it's going wrong. And we've we we pushed ourselves into a rock bottom because of it. And the the icing on the cake is that Daniel Jones, who was extremely everyone was extremely critical of because let's face it he wasn't worth the money that he was given now ends up becoming you know the thing that totally sidelines us for next year too right we were frauds in the in the in the playoffs there's no doubt about that it's just the question of where does this team go now because we went from there we went from the highest of highs for the Giants to the lowest of lows. Yeah, y'all won a playoff game too. And yeah, probably. I, I think we can all agree at this point that like Minnesota was the worst oh, playoff the team luckiest, in existence. Weren't it was they? the luckiest route into the playoffs. I mean, every game Easiest. was like they were down at the half and they came back to win. Like they they certainly had like the the gusto to be able to come back and win games, but I don't think they were ever a serious team. But the the thing that is always interesting for me about this whole Daniel Jones experiment is like the flashes of good come and you're like, wow, this guy could actually be like pretty good at this if he just is able to string it together. And I think that's where the confusion was last year, where people will conflate like winning games with good quarterback play. And very often it was just like Saquon Barkley has a really good run. They're able to to put it together. The defense was clicking in certain moments, but he was opportunistic to a point. I would the best way to describe it, frankly, is like a worse version of Jake Delhomme. Um, 
he was where... he was keeping he was keeping the train on schedule, right? Like, right. It was it was very much that he was not really doing anything spectacular, but he was. I mean, he he had you know he's top ten in QBR last year. He was efficient, like he understood when to run. He understood when to like you know when to move the ball. I, I, again, I want to point out a simple fact here. Okay, Daniel Jones played sixteen games last year. Okay. Six games this year. So he played 10 more games last year. Last year, five interceptions. This year, six. So, I mean, imagine playing 16 games and only throwing five interceptions the entire that also That also, for me, that says, like, that offense last year was very much simplified down, and they ramped it up. 100%. They ramped it up farther than where it should have been this year. And – I think it's fair to say, regardless of how Daniel Jones has played this year, when he's played, the way the season started was the absolute worst way possible. And I would say that for any team either, to like get completely blindsided week one and like lay an egg against the the Niners as well. Like yeah. it'd be one thing if they were losing those games like 38 to 35, because at least you know like one side of the ball is working properly. It's when right. like the entire defense, offense, special teams, coaching is kind of just all over the place. So, and also the special teams coaching has been one of the worst horrendous this year. Yeah, Thomas Gagey really- has been a guy who survived the last two administrations, and he's being kept on. So I imagine the Giants are going to probably fire somebody at the end of the year to like send a message, and it's going to be him. I don't think yeah. Kafka or Wink are getting fired, um, but I definitely think he will. I would say Kafka probably gets like maybe one more year. Yeah. But they'll they'll take the play calling away from him. So this is where I'm kind of conflicted, right? Because I'm not off Brian Dable or Joe Shane at all. I I still have like again, that Leonard Williams trade was chef's kiss. It was beautiful. Getting a second round pick back when you only when Dave Gettleman gave up the third for him is great. I am concerned that like you guys spent all of last year with Brian with jo- Daniel Jones and like you have to project, right? And like they clearly were giving him a simplified offense and like they weren't putting too much on his plate like first read, get the ball, run, you know. But now like did you not notice that like he probably wasn't going to be able to handle um a more advanced playbook, but also on top of that, they had an injury waiver in there so that if he's injured because like it's a, essentially a two-year deal, right? But there's there's an injury waiver in there that if he's injured going to year three of the contract, it's twenty five million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it's like now they they really have to like get a quarterback next year, let him be healthy, so that after year two they can cut him and and you know. But it's like it's like a guy with like a neck injury in his in his past. Like it's the contract was bad. So see. I, Joe Shane's got to take that one on the chin, man. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking with that. See, I think there's a couple ways to look at it because the fir- one of the ways is obviously like it's a lot of money, and there's a yeah. lot of like pieces in there that can be that can make this complicated, particularly the injury component too. The other side of it is it's the way that you can play it is it's a two year deal, and we had talked about this on the show a couple of times. I think. Going back to what both of you were saying, like the Giants were really screwed at the end of last season because 
how much flack would Dayball and Shane and the ownership group take if they said, hey, you remember this quarterback that played really, really well and got us into the playoffs and won a playoff game? Yeah, we're not going to re-sign him or we're going to sign him to a franchise tag. People would lose their fucking minds. And I think, frankly, like Giants were kind of in a lose-lose situation anyway. And the money side of it, the salary cap goes up every year. At a certain point, these big contracts become manageable contracts. You're right. They're going to have to find another quarterback out there. Daniel Jones will have to be the backup next year. My thought is what they'll do is they will draft somebody this year, let Daniel Jones start next year, three or four games in. They're like, okay, see, this is definitely not working. We've yep. given enough, like, we have the ability to go and find somebody else. But, you know, I, I think the frustrating part is if I were a Giants fan, be like, how did we go from this guy who's got it figured out? And everyone has said is a really smart player. He can understand an offense like a Duke with David Cutcliffe. Now, like, you just look lost, my man. You are, like, completely dazed out there whenever you get behind the center. That's a really scary thing, though, because – I would say, like, if it wasn't the Giants, somebody else would have taken him, and this would have happened somewhere else as well. Yeah, I, it, it, the regression is weird. very scary. Very, it's scary. very weird. I also, I also have to give Brian Dable and Mike Kafka some lion's share of the blame here because they were trying to run a lot of the same principles they were last year, and it's like, well, I, I assume a lot of it was also because they were catching people off guard, right? A lot of the the a lot of the play action, you know, bootleg stuff that they were doing just wasn't really what Joe Judge, Joe Fudge was doing. So I think they were kind of lucky that they were able to take some teams by surprise, and like no one's letting that happen this year. So a lot of the stuff they were trying to do was not happening. But also, I also argue that the season may be a little bit different. If Andrew Thomas didn't get injured, but this is my main criticism of Brian Dable is the injury handling has been horrific because Andrew Thomas um, injured himself in the game one against the Cowboys. It was that special teams block field goal. He chased the guy down, injured his hamstring. He kept him in till the fourth quarter mm. and he's clearly not well, right? He's like, he's not right. And it's like, pull him the fuck out. Like you're down 21, nothing at the half, like game's over. Let's just take everybody out. Especially if he's injured, if he's get out of here with our guys. Yeah. Yeah. Just get out of here alive. Like, let's just go back to the drawing board. And then Andrew Thomas comes back last week. So he misses like what? Eight games of the season. If Andrew Thomas is healthy the entire season, things might be a little different. You know, um, I don't think that much different, maybe an an extra win or two, but I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of glad in retrospect because I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be middling anymore. I want to have, I let's reset the clock. He doesn't want to be sad anymore. I know. I'm just tired of it, man. I mean, realistically (laughs) since 2011, when they won the fucking Super Bowl, I mean, that's 11 years now, 12 years now. And they've won, they've gone to the playoffs twice, one playoff game in the last decade. You know, for a team that was at least a, in the hunt every single year. 
I mean, okay, so one of the big things, though, that bothers me about Daniel Jones, and, and I, I don't know, because, like, here's here's where we go. I, don't, I can't blame Daniel Jones for all of the Giants' woes. I cannot do that. And the Giants had this weird glimmer the last couple of weeks, well, prior to last week's game, of where the defense was showing up. Um, but, like, Daniel Jones, he has just registered. It was like his his brain was broken. Like, he literally was like, the I want to throw the ball, pieces. and he just yeah. couldn't do it. He was like, it was like he didn't know the routes that, that were being ran, or he didn't see where guys were open. Like, he just, it was like he he had a vision issue. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something deeper wrong with him that, you know, isn't isn't something necessarily that we're seeing at the moment. But I mean, I don't know where to really begin. <laughs> it's just it's weird to me because he was a lot more sure last year. He did have a better register at least last year. And this year he's just completely he was completely paralyzed. It was pocket manipulation, right? Like it was like moving in and out of the pocket. He just seemed better last year. He seemed like he had a like he felt pressure better. Yeah, um, and then he has no sense he, of it on his blind side whatsoever. Yeah, he resorted back to like old school Daniel Jones of like just getting like guy walking right in front of his face and like he doesn't feel I, it coming at him at all. And and I wonder if a part of that is that he's just here. He was asked to take on more responsibility, and that extra responsibility was just way too much for him. And I would couple that with the contract too. Like you're now being paid like. Uh, a team captain or you've got your first big time contract. We've seen that in a bunch of different sports, right? Baseball, yeah. basketball, football, where guys get that big contract and all of a sudden everything changes. And I'm not saying that the effort's not there, but it's like the expectation has changed and he can't meet it. Yeah. Very possible. I mean, like again, and, 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 and that's the problem with having a guy like Daniel Jones as your quarterback is that like, and this was my concern going throughout this entire thing was like, all right, like he did look good last year. I, I think, I think where I maybe got blinded was because he was 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, but he had almost, I think he had like double digit rushing touchdowns. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care. And he doesn't need to throw 45 touchdowns a year for me to Ed think wheels. he could be a franchise, right? As long as he, as long as he can score. And the red zone offense was really good last year. They were top 10 red zone offense last year. So I said, like, we can win with this. But I I think the the problem was that once they try to put more on his plate, that was where, like, he's a good, he's a good, smart kid, right? But, like, I think we've been seeing the same shit since Duke that, like, he stares down his first read constantly, tries to force it into his first read. And another thing is just processing. Like, I like, like for me, the number one thing when it comes to a quarterback now is processing. Like, I need a guy who gets the ball out of his hands under two point whatever seconds, right? Because if you're gonna just stand there and like you can't go one, two, three very fast and or and just get to your hot as as quick as possible, I don't want you because like to, at the end of the day. Offensive line play in the NFL. We've talked about this, right? Like, I think there are, I think it's bad offensive line play throughout the league, but I think a quarterback can make an offensive line look worse than it is. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Jones is one of those guys because, I mean, like, look at the Bears, right? Ever since Justin Fields has been out, they've given up like five sacks in three weeks, right? Because he's getting the ball out quickly. So I think up a team, but yeah. I mean, so the 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 fast register is great. 
I just need someone who's got the rhythm to follow to follow their receivers, to know where the marks are, when to hit the receivers. It's it's really a timing thing, right? Like he's got to know three seconds, this is no longer an option. Yeah. Four seconds, that's I no agree. longer an option. When I do I take a run? Do I have sense of of pressure on my backside? These are the these are these skills that every quarterback that is successful in the NFL has or has to a certain degree, right? And again, there's a part of like, all right, well, you know that Daniel Jones isn't able to do this, and this goes to DeBole and Kafka. It's like, well, I think after game four of the season, you could kind of figure that out, that this wasn't going to work, and you need to make a change to your game plan, right? And I, there, there, there just wasn't any change there. I mean, I don't know if the Giants are just – victims of their own optimism but it kind of feels that way i think they had high expectations they they pulled on you know they brought in two injured receivers i mean there was an upgrade i guess to the line but it wasn't much yeah and the defense they got lucky on in in a lot of ways because the pieces that left you know we had rookies that came in and did somewhat good, but you could still see that they're they're rookies that are still developing and learning. Deontay Banks is doing a great job out there. Kayvon Thibodeau's doing really good right now, considering. And um not all the pieces are coming together though. Like players individually are playing well, but like the whole scheme itself is not is not producing what the expectation is. Yeah. Um I, I did want to go back to something that I'm I'm curious, Gato, because you had mentioned timing um, and rhythm and things like that. I'm wondering if Daniel Jones is throwing to receivers and not to landmarks on the field, because if you look at some of like mm-hmm. the the guys that we've talked about on this show, right, like JT O'Sullivan, Kurt Banker, guys like that, like those quarterbacks that like let you into the room where those decisions are made and those plays are developed. Like they're always talking about like, what are the landmarks on the field? So, you know, this big post route, it's, you know, your objective is to end up like in the left hash mark of the end zone or where the left post of the field goal. Um, And I'm wondering if he's looking at receivers of where they are right now, instead of, in this play, it's one to throw to this location with the expectation and the trust that my guy is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And we and we hear that a lot from like quarterbacks where you're not necessarily throwing to a guy, but you're throwing to a spot. And the mm-hmm. expectation is the receiver is going to be there to grab it. Obviously, you're not going to just throw to like the other team, but it's how those plays are intentionally driven up, dr- mm-hmm. drawn up to be faster. And I don't know if either that translation is not getting to Jones or he just doesn't have the confidence because he's had the turnover issue in the past where he doesn't want to be and make a mistake. And now he's gun shy. And then he delays, 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 delays. The line can't hold. He gets hit. He ends up getting hurt. And we start this whole process over again. That's actually a very good point. Uh, You know, and and it almost pays to go back to a season prior and look at his passes and see where he's throwing those balls to who and when, and then compare that to what's happening, you know, in, in a, in a wider field view 
um, during during those botched pass plays because it just it. I think you're very you're onto something here, and and it also goes to something that's also worried me a bit about watching Daniel Jones is that he rarely ever checked out of things, right? He he rarely ever read, went up to the line of scrimmage, read the room, and said we got to change to something else, and mm-hmm. he was either right. <laughs> Or, um, you know, just he saw it come like he didn't I didn't see that from him. Right. For someone who was going into, you know, their their third year at the helm at this point, it was like, hey. You need to be able to be a better read of what's coming at you from the beginning. Like it just seemed right. like, like there were plays where, you know, you have you have the defenses shifted weak side. So obviously there's going to be pressure on your backside and. A lot of times when that happens, there's usually a receiver out there that that yeah. becomes real easy open. They they call, they make a check. It the audible makes the the route different so that it's a slant in because you know that there's not going to be pressure there because the linebacker or the end is going to be coming at you and without looking, you hit that spot right there, right? Mm-hmm. None of that. These kinds of things that you need a quarterback to be able to do just doesn't have. He might have been a gamer. Right. He could have been a guy that like he get he seemed to get effective when he got his blood pumping, when he got running, when he was actually taking some hits downfield. Right. And all of a sudden the adrenaline caught up with him, it slowed down his brain and he was able to process things better. Right. But either he was he was big braining himself into analysis paralysis or he just has no read. I, I again, I run into this. I, I can't figure it out. I can't I can't tell. And I get I'm kind of fatigued talking about him. You know yeah, what I, mean? I Yeah, no, I think <laughs> it's a lot of I football. Think, <laughs> I think it's more so like this is a scary thing that happens with guys that get hurt early in their careers, especially rookies. Like yeah. when they have significant injuries, that thing like never really goes away. It happened with RG3, he had a catastrophic knee injury, happened with Daniel Jones, it's happened with guys who play quarterback and get hurt early and they can just never really get it back together. It took Mm -hmm. Matt Stafford a long time actually to overcome a lot of those injuries when he got into the league. I think he was hurt like at least once a year um, for the first three or four years of his career. And some guys are able to do it. Other guys are not. I'm curious though. I'd love to get your input on this because I know that we're tired of talking about Daniel Jones and let's let's project beyond him. What's your confidence level in Dayball and Shane? Because we've heard from Q, but what are where are your thoughts right now on that setup? So I I mean what I'm seeing is that Shane is he's a he's a good deal maker. Obviously, he knows how to trade some pieces and make make some magic work. I don't know how much of it is like hashing out the sins of the father, basically, and dealing with the Gettleman, you know, um, like nuclear runoff that, mm-hmm. you know, was from that. The era. Chernobyl effect of, <laughs> of Dave Gettleman. Gettleman. Yeah. You know, it's the um, best way I've any, heard anybody ever put it. It's that nuclear fallout from his fucking toxic ooze. But he's going to be around for at least 75, 80 years. It's like, what's the half life on a David Gettleman? I just, <laughs> it, a Kenny Galladay contract. But 
you know, there's like in weird ways, there is opportunity here, right? Because I've heard alternative views on on this whole situation where it's like, look, it's not like he's not going to be on the Giants roster next year, right? So Daniel Jones, you know, let's say we get a Drake May, a Caleb Williams. It might be an instant start. And like it just becomes a strategy component of, you know, if there's something tragic could happen to them that, you know, he could come in and step in and he's got to look at it this way. This is an opportunity to improve whatever his problems are, right? Whether it's reaction time, whether it's reading, whether it's learning playbooks, um, learning at an NFL offense, um, or if it's, if it's something else, this is an opportunity to, to potentially show your next employer where you'll be. Cause I think his errors, his errors on, on the way out. Right. So like, at least he can go somewhere if he shows that he can come back and improve. Right. And I mean, yeah. Can I, can I throw a scenario out the Atlanta Falcons? They seem like a team. Sure. That, they seem like a team that you could maybe, uh, can I, can I interest you in a Daniel Jones? You already got I mean, your Heineke. You got your uh, your guy from Cincinnati who you hate already. You had your Marcus Mariota. Have some <laughs> Daniel Jones too. He loves crypto. The, the fu- like the funny thing is, it's just like it's like having the exact same scenario for him. Right? He ends up in the exact same place, like a good running back. <laughs> A younger running back, but a good running back that like the game should be centered around. Um, coaches that are kind of all over the fucking place. Uh, it, a, a defense that basically just gives it all up. I mean, he would basically be back be back with the Giants again. He's not like he's not going to have an illustrious career, but he can at least get hired again if he works this off season. That's I think thing, he opinion. will be very much a. A guy who is a solid Carson backup Wilson. for years to come. I think he'll have like a nice like 9, 10, 11 year career, but he is going to be a backup for somebody um, because he's got a big brain. And I think at the end of the day, I haven't heard anything shitty about him. And in a lot of cases, that's what it comes down to for backups. Like, hey, is this guy likable? And is he know how to prepare for a game. Yeah. Okay. Well then we're going to hang on to him. Um, I will say though, for the people that are saying like day ball should go right now. I want to look at Kyle Shanahan's first two years in San Francisco as kind of like a good primer of how hanging on to a coach, hanging on to a GM will eventually lead you to success. If you're confident in the guy that you have, like, I don't remember the, the quarterback for the 2017 49ers. I don't think anybody else does either. They went six and 10. 2018, they went four and 12. I think that was the year they got Jimmy G, but he was hurt for most of that year. He didn't play a whole lot. It was like a lot of Nick Mullins and um, some other guy. But the year after that, they went 13 and three. And I think what really means a lot to a team like that is like, you're continuing to get your guys in. And I would imagine by year three of Brian Dayball, they'll be able to flush away some of those shitty contracts from the Dave Gettleman wars that you've all been fighting in. 
Q, you can check me on that one. But like the more guys you're able to get in with the same offensive and defensive philosophy, the more it's going to fit when you have that quarterback in there. I think at the end of the day, they're probably going to get Drake May. Um, it's just like, what can you put around him to make sure that you don't have a Daniel Jones 2.0 where in his first season he's hurt? That's, that's the thing, right? So the priorities change, right? We went from being a team that needed to get some pieces around a middling average quarterback to now we got to get a young, good quarterback. Let's not make the same mistakes and let's fix and improve. I think obviously offensive line has to be the first thing, right? And uh, the youths, I mean, we got a great, we got a great Z and slot with Hyatt and Wandale, in my opinion, you know, we just need an X. Paris Campbell was supposed to come in and be that X and he just wasn't that guy. So I, I, I don't, I, I also like, I've kind of mentioned, like, I think when it comes down to it, um, the idea that you have a quarterback who can kind of move around the pocket and manipulate the pocket I, I don't I, I think the offensive line like with between Andrew Thomas if Justin Pugh hangs on for another year at guard the young center Schmitz and you fill in the right guard right tackle position I mean like I, I'm not as worried about the offensive line because like again I think a lot of the issues with the offensive line Daniel Jones just doesn't know where to go he, he doesn't know how to slide I watched a, a video it was a breakdown of Joe Burrow evading pressure and hitting Chase out in the flat. And it was just unbelievable how quick he is. And just like, it, again, a good quarterback can make up for a bad offensive line. And I will point out, because we were talking about and touching on this before, the the Bengals are back. They're in they're they're back in form. They're, they're in the expected form, I think they were, that we expected them to be at the beginning of this year. And it was really all about Burrow getting right. And look how long it took Burrow to get right from his calf injury, which he had a, was, like a high ankle sprain, right? Calf injury, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it wasn't something that was keeping him out, but it was enough that it was severely impacting how much of an impact he could have. And, um, you know, like that's the thing with these young quarterbacks though, is like they can, they, they, you know, they, they don't necessarily bounce back per se. Right. Like where will like, ju- like it feels like Justin Fields, is like really hanging out, not not ready to go. Like, did you hear that whole thing? He's doubtful from Everflus. It was like he's he's doubtful, but he's probably out. But he might play. But it's fifty one percent. Man, like, they don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> what a shit show. <laughs> I mean, I I I gotta stop you right there. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and listen to that Justin Fields slander by a completely incompetent team. Like. I think if you fucking break a finger on your throwing hand, like it's going to really impact everything that you do. And it's only going to make you play worse. Like that team is ran by stupid people and they have been unserious for a very fucking long time. That's, that's all like, watch your mouth, watch your mouth. Uh, Nasty knee put out Drake may can actually start winning games. Uh, lost against Georgia tech. Yeah. I, listen, I, I don't really Georgia Tech beat Miami too. Like, yeah, but I also don't really care too much about, um, you know, when it comes down to like the idea of quarterbacks losing games. Like John Elway, I think won 
like maybe five or six games in his entire career at Stanford. Like you look at traits, traits are the most important thing to me. And when it comes to May, he's, you know, six, four two thirty. he looks like Justin Herbert. You know, he's got that like big angular frame. Looks like he can take a couple like decent size hits and he's got a good arm, good ball placement, you know, really quick release. Like I, I don't really, I don't really worry about Drake May. Like if, even if he won two, three games and also North Carolina lost a decent amount of talent last year. So I'm just, I'm not too worried about it. And the other thing is too, is like the alternative Caleb Williams, they've lost a significant amount of games too. And he's played well, like his yeah. numbers this year compared to last year, they're pretty comparable. Yep. It's just like, again, we talk about college win loss records are so inconsistent because so many of those guys are not actually going to play in the league. Right. And like, you just never know. Those games are wild. Yeah. There's so many things that go into it. So I, I mean, so I was, I was sharing this, this thought though, the other day was that I do worry about this like loaded QB draft class coming up because they haven't had much defensive adversity to play against. And and Q's had some arguments against it that has made sense to me. But I, I I do worry about that when you have you don't have, you know, like top defensive performers going in that same draft class. Like it's a very offensive friendly time to be a quarterback in college. And I just worry that when you come and you're playing against the best out there at these positions, how much of a learning curve you're going to have, because you're not used to having to worry about certain things like that. You know, the pressure isn't there in terms of, you know, are you going to have Micah Parsons like running down your backside? Fuck no. With all due respect, Micah Parsons wasn't a like massive name in college either. He's just blossomed. Fair. Fair. I mean, he was a top, top 11 pick you know yeah but he wasn't like a generational talent no no there was a lot of there was a lot of uncertainty about michael parsons coming out mainly because he had some off the field stuff that was kind of questionable but then also um i think with him the biggest thing was he was kind of positionless he was an inside backer but an edge rusher also so they were like well what is he is he going to be an inside backer is he going to be an edge rusher and the answer was both and he's going to do both really well so well the answer is yes (laughs) yeah the answer is pretty much yes but so that leads me down another avenue of discussion about um you know players because here we have someone who's are like having some really like we look at cj stroud we look at will levis right now right Mm -hmm. and these two are crushing it Uh, but let's wait and see on Will Levis there. We're, we're still we're pumping the brakes. Tom's sure, it's it's very. I think it's actually a, like a very good start for Will Levis. I think. Yeah, but I would not put not... him in the same criteria as C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud through five. No, C.J. Stroud's on his own fucking planet yeah. right now. Yeah. Considering though that Will Levis was not drafted high, right? He he goes he goes late second round. I think right? third round. I think oh. it was yeah, it was third round. It's third round. Um, and the reason I bring up CJ Stroud is because the reason he doesn't go number one, right? And Bryce takes the number one is because of some stupid analytics test. I know it was second round. I'm sorry, pick number 33. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm right for once. Get the fuck out. <laughs> but uh, 
Um, it's just, it's kind of, you know, like I sometimes wonder, it's like, you know, there are guys, they spend their entire professional career is to just monitor the talent coming out of, um, out of the, out of college football. And, you know, sometimes I feel like they, they, they hype up certain individuals or they sell them higher because they're more interesting better stories or they just i that's why i just wonder is there somebody else other than drake may or caleb williams that should be in this discussion yeah yeah there's a couple of them but i will say though i think to your point gato the reasons why cj stroud did not go first were very, very odd, and they came up, like, right at the end. It was that dumb, like, test that you were talking about, too, but... It was a marketing ploy for a new way of fucking deciding who's smart in football. Yeah, I mean, how does a guy for the entire, like, college football season, people are like, this guy can go number one in the draft, and he's probably the number one. He's got the size, he plays in a system that's like a pro system... And then all of a sudden, right at the end, the Panthers go with Bryce Young because there's this whole I, – I also think, too, that C.J. Stroud caught a lot of strays for just the way that Justin Fields was playing at the time, but also like, hey, look at all of the other Ohio State quarterbacks that have not done well. And they kind of like lumped that on him when in reality we're getting like – rando reports from Carolina that they can't run certain play sets with Bryce Young because he's too small. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud is playing with a rookie coach with a bad fucking team that we all know was bad from last year. And they are balling out there. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's definitely coach of the year candidate. In, in oh, a hundred percent. And that team is essentially like the same as it was last year too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're just, they're adding new pieces and they're learning how to work with them. I, mean, I think that's part of it too, though. They're how young, what's the median age of, of that team right now? It's gotta be super low. I mean, they've had high, they've had high draft picks for the last like two or three years, right? Like ever since uh, Deshaun Watson was there, they've been drafting within the top 10. That's true. I want to talk about a QB that I've been kind of keeping an eye on that I don't think people are really talking about a lot. Penix yeah. energy, huh? No, no. Sure. I'm actually, I'm actually not big on Michael Penix. You're um, not pilled anymore on Penix. I am. Well, it's his more name con- sounds like an anatomy, and he's that actually got, feels like actually motivation. Great, That's like actually, motivation to do better. He's actually got a great quarterback name, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, no, it's, it's more that I'm just concerned. He's not, he is an older prospect, but also because of the fact that with, with Penix, he's had two ACL tears. I'm more worried about that. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks that I'm kind of interested in this draft, but I, I would say the one that kind of really intrigues me and that really no one's talking about is Jackson Dart. He's a uh, QB for Ole Miss. Um, this is his third year and he's currently, 12th in college football and QBR. He's got 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. He had 11 interceptions last year. His completion percentage has gone up uh, about two, two, three points every single year. His average has gone up from 7.1 to 10 point. And like, again, like I watch him, he's got a fucking cannon. 
of an arm. Plays in the SEC. He's one of the younger prospects in this draft. He's not going to be. He's going to be 21 by the time the the draft starts. Um, I think he was a four. He was a four star recruit coming out. He, he went to USC to start. He went to USC to start, right? Yeah. So I, I I'm just surprised that he's just not getting a lot of publicity. And I think because of the fact that he's a he's a junior. Um, a lot of, a lot of people are not really talking about him because like, there's no guarantee he's going to come out, but I'm just, I'm just a little surprised. I know, I know it's seven games. He's got 13 passing touchdowns. He's, you know, it's averaging a little less than two touchdowns per game, but like the eye test I've watched enough of Jackson to kind of be intrigued by his, uh, by his abilities. Um, and obviously once Caleb Williams went to USC, he was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here because I'm never going to yeah. play. Um, so I can't blame him there, but, uh, but he's, he's an intriguing, he's an intriguing kid. Um, three, you know, last year, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks in 12 games, but he's got a rushing element. He's got six rushing touchdowns this year. So, um, he's just a guy that I'm kind of keeping an eye on that. I think when, if he does declare, I think he's going to be one of those guys that kind of starts going from like a day three pick to like maybe an early day two pick potentially. So, yeah, I, I think like they have slept on him for a long time for a number of reasons. One, I don't think playing at Ole Miss does him a ton of favors just because playing in the SEC South though. Right. But like, if you were to look at all of those SEC schools, like Ole Miss does not have the same name recognition as like a LSU in Alabama. Very, Florida. very, 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 very true. So I'm looking at an article from July from July of this year where they rank, they do a preseason ranking of the SEC quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. KJ Jefferson, Arkansas, Jaden Daniels, LSU, Devin Leary, Kentucky, Joe Milton, Tennessee, Spencer Rattler, South Carolina, Carson Beck, Georgia, Will Rogers, Mississippi State, Jackson Dart, eight. Surprising. So so a lot of people were sleeping on him. But they also have Jalen Milrow at 10 here, too. But yeah. I think it's important to note that I because he had – was last year his first year at Ole Miss or was that his second year? Last year was his first year. So I would look at it in the same way as, like, the kind of growth that happened with um, Joe Burrow at LSU. He started one year. It was kind of meh. Year two playing in that system, getting more acclimated to the conference itself. You really start to see these guys flourish. I agree with you. Like, also, too, fantastic quarterback name from NFL Blitz, the league. Jack, Jack, with Jackson with an X in it? Like, come on. And Dart. Dart. He's throwing you, almost have to have a, you almost have to have a fucking strong arm to have a name <laughs> like that. Fucking darts out there, man. Yeah. I mean, I think he's an intriguing prospect. Um, and – there's no question of like the quality of talent that he's had to play against too. Yeah. Versus some South, of these other man, guys, tough division to play in, especially because like you are right. Ole Miss does not really get a ton of like for an SEC school. It doesn't get a ton of the buzz. So like, you know, for him to be able to play as well as he does, he's just the guy I'm keeping an eye on because like, as of right now, like if you talk about like the big board, you got Caleb, you got Drake may, I think Penix McCarthy, I'm not going to count Shadir Sanders only because I don't like Dion's been very pretty adamant. He's not coming out this year. So I'm not even going to really consider him. Yeah. You got Bo Nix, Quinn Ewers, Jaden Daniels, and then like Cam Ward. 
right? So like I would you got I a couple I, other guys in there too, but there's nobody yeah. with the same kind of riz and gusto that you're looking for. I think I prefer him over Quinn Ewers. Um, oh yeah, and Cam Ward. Um, definitely. I, I Bo Nix. I don't know. I, I feel like Bo Nix is going to be one of those guys going to be a lot better in the league. Um, but it's going to be he has to end up in the right place. You know, I, like. Do you think he's like he needs he needs a year or two just with the clipboard, or is it? I think I think year one, if you put him in a system where he can just kind of use his legs, and then you know, over after a while, just kind of get him going. Um, I think he's I think he's gonna be a good player. Oh, so nowhere currently in the NFL. <laughs> no, he'll he'll be fine. Um, I would just, be curious to see him like end up on a 49ers or a. It's an interesting. Like, yeah. Or a Miami so, Dolphins type team. Seahawks, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they would take a chance on him. I mean, he's definitely a product up there too. They know about him. Pete Pete Carroll actually would be a good fit for him because what he he was able to do for Russell Wilson's career, I think he would be able to mirror that very successfully for Bo Nix. Yeah, and Bo Nix was very up and down at Auburn, and it's not until he's gotten to Oregon that he's really been able to figure it out. To me, that's so, just yeah. that. To me, that's just Auburn, though. You know, that's true. Like, I mean, there's Auburn. only been one person that's really been able to figure it out, and he was there for a year. Yeah, it's to me that's that's just Auburn. Like they're just a weird SEC team that like continually gets pretty good talent and then just doesn't know what to do with them. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I, um, I like Bo Nix. I, I yeah, I'm I'm a fan. Um, let's let's move on a little bit. Do we want to talk about some of these defensive woes that came after Vegas for the Giants just briefly because there's there's a bit of guff going on. Xavier Kinney saying oh, that leadership not listening. And then today, Wink Martindale was hurt and surprised by the comments that he had made. I can't wanna... wait. I can't wait for Xavier McKinney to be gone, honestly. Um He's not panning out. He, he what a dumbass. What a dumbass saying dumbass shit. Like, I, I instantly re, like questioned his like I, I like I have to question like his decision making abilities after the whole debacle with the ATV. <laughs> like, like I was just like you're a pro athlete you should not be on ATVs. And then, and I would say this about anyone. It doesn't have to be just him like Dude, if you're a professional athlete, like stay off of all terrain vehicles. I know. Motor bikes, right in your motorcycles. Like, yeah. <laughs> boats. Like, unless it's a big boat that barely moves, don't get on it. Speedboats, stay this fuck away. You know, it's like Yeah. I I, I don't I, I I'm just surprised, honestly. Um, because he was he's a guy that Nick Saban talked a lot about coming out of Bama. Um, he was a he was a first round pick talent who kind of went late. And there's a great I don't know if I sent it to you guys. Did you guys see that um, literal like lackadaisical move by him? Because he, he talks about like he's basically talking about how like the veterans are not being heard and like effort is not there. Like he's trying to insinuate that like they're not playing with effort. And you see Xavier McKinney and it was on a uh, I think it was on the Jacoby Myers touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's literally like jogging and then he's literally right there he can stop Myers from scoring a touchdown if he just like hits him 
right? Knock them out of bounds and like whatever. It's at the one, but like who cares, right? Like stop the touchdown. And he just lets him walk in. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. He's checked out and, you know, talking about complaining about um, the veterans not being heard. Andrew Thomas was very quick to say, I'm not sure what he's talking about because, you know, pretty much at this point we are, we're doing everything we can. Um, and I think we have good communication. So like, it's, he just seems like he's on an Island right now by himself. And, uh, and Wink Martindale, who's been always very, like he, he was basically saying, like, I always make sure that I'm available to my guys and, you know, if, if there's anything that they need and like, I'm just kind of surprised by this. So it's, it's, I don't I don't know what's going on with him. I think that sounds like a lot of projection really where he's not giving effort and, you know, maybe if I say it to everybody else, like their play will raise mine. But I yeah. mean, I, I'm always curious to see the people who say that because Jonathan Allen from the commanders has said that too. And he's probably had the worst season of his career. It's like my guy, like, if you want to ramp up everybody else's intensity level, you're going to have to like actually get some fucking sacks. My guy, you're going to have to do something. Is it now? Is it really that? Or is it a, is it a attempt at like self-preservation? Like things aren't working here, but like, I'm not really working here. Let me point some fingers or something. Is it to like put up some smoke signals? So maybe you don't look at me as hard. You know, I'm telling you there's something wrong. Therefore it can't be me. Because, like, let's face it, Q, he's not making the roster next year. Well, I think he's also kind of probably bummed about not getting a contract. He he was um, he was going into the last year of his deal, so I think I think he clearly probably wanted a contract. Um, but is it, yeah, is there just a? I mean, the one thing I do worry is there's like there's a bit of a mood with Leonard Williams being traded away, which from business sense was absolutely made sense. And and they should all understand that was in the best interests of the team and the organization. Um, but, you know, like Dexter Lawrence has, you know, he seems pretty upset about it. That's like his best bud. You know, are we? I'm not really worried about the residual effects of that because like in all honesty, it like especially because Leonard Williams talked about um the, the classiness of it and that like he pretty much was allowed to um pretty much like he I think they gave him like an ability to like say no Shoes. yeah, yeah. like okay. yeah well yeah that, yeah he like they That's pretty cool. much they brought up the idea of, of Seattle and then like pretty much he was just like hey like you know if you don't want to go you don't have to we, we will hold on to you and they gave him a choice and he he wanted to go so you know and I understand why he wanted to go play on a on a winning team. Um, and, and Q, that's a good point too. Like, if you don't want your guys traded at the deadline, like, what do you expect the team to do? You either like keep everybody here and it hurts them long term, or yeah. you're not playing well. And right. at this at this stage, you got a quarterback that's hurt. You got another quarterback that's hurt. You're starting a guy who is probably a practice squad player at best right now. Yep. Like, what do you expect the team to do? At least trade somebody who's got a contract you can get off the books and you get some pretty good fucking return on it. Yeah. It will help you next year. And I get like guys are upset because they've built bonds and friendships and things like Absolutely. that. But, like, this is a byproduct of what happens when teams are not good. Yeah. 
that's that's exactly i think that's exactly on the nose it's it's like it's not it's not basically like we're not trading away leonard williams as like a punishment it's like it's literally saying (laughs) we're not there and you're gonna be we're you know you're a free agent at the end of the year anyway so like let's just get you realistic about yeah let's get you where you want to go and let's see if we can maybe get you in a spot where you end up winning some games and maybe get to play in the playoffs and it was very much a good thing so like i i I don't understand the 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 negativity towards that um like and again like because it was handled in such a classy manner i think like it's a it's a sign of the organization and and how well structured they are at the moment that like even when guys are exiting the door, they're not saying like how how many times did we hear from Dave Gettleman, like D'Angelo Williams, if you remember, like all those guys, Steve Smith, trashing him, saying that he's a piece of shit and that he yeah. lied to me and he told like I wanted to stay and he he basically just kicked me out the fucking door. And like how many times did we hear that? And now we're hearing like classiness and like everyone's like yeah he's been you know it was really well done and it was done first class or and like that shit matters because when like the thing the tide does turn and if the team does start playing well guess who's gonna want to go there everyone because they're like they handle things classy so yeah it um it seems it, it definitely seems like that is a way to win a locker room unlike the guy that nasty nate here is mentioning um and <laughs> i love mike mcdaniel i really do i love mike mcdaniel um, oh mike mcdaniel i thought he wrote josh mcdaniels <laughs> oh no no, no. i looked at that quick piece of shit though josh mcdaniels i'm sorry i was actually going to bring up josh mcdaniels but we could go into mike mcdaniels first if we wanted to it, mike good mcdaniel act. I, yeah, I like him. I he was I he was the other the guy, guy who's I, winning over his locker room. By the way, well, he he was the other guy I wanted. Um, there was two guys, two coaching. There was two coaches I wanted for the Giants. It was Dable and it was McDaniel. But I they didn't even interview McDaniel because um, like I was looking at GMs and the two guys I was looking at for GM were either Joe Shane or Adam Peters. Adam Peters, who's the assistant GM in San Francisco. You know, if you're gonna pull, you pull from good organizations. So mm-hmm. Joe Shane, obviously from Buffalo. So I was like, either one, if you want to pair Dable and Shane together, if you want to pair Peters and Mike Daniel together, that was like that was something I was very intrigued in by. So um I, I like him a lot. Um I, I think he I think he gets it. Like he he's from that Shanahan school. Um they they ha- they're just very creative and like that's why like having a guy like Tyreek Hill. I will say though, like I'm not as big on Miami as a lot of people are though, because the problem I think that we're going to run into here is if you look at it, like their splits against bad teams and their splits against good teams is not as promising. So I, I don't think they're all the way there yet, but like they are, they're an intriguing team, man. Yeah. I, I've been listening to uh, some other shows discussing this and it seems like you know the quarters cover other shows. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm flirting. What can I say? Uh, I'm not cheating. I'm just flirting. Just flirting. Um, this it's just a little flirtation. But no big deal. <laughs> but uh, it seems like they're they're really having trouble with some of these schemes where teams are just covering with quarters so that they can't get burned on the deep route with Tyreek and that's causing to shorten it up and that they're not 
they're sending everybody and then it's just you know there's a release point that they're just not two is not able to figure it out at the moment right and uh how much how much are we worried about that what do we think does at this point is it is it dolphins that is taking that are taking the AFC East or are the Bills still have a fighting chance here what 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 are our feelings I, I before we get to that they have the Dolphins have a brutal last four weeks of the season. That's why I'm worried about them. Jets, Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Yeah. That's fucking rough, my guy. Yeah. That's why I'm that's why I would say I'm more worried about them than anything. Um, because like it is it is a it is a brutal stretch. So I, I don't know. I, I I I'm not gonna count the bills out because like i just i just i can't like it's just silly to me to think that like the bills can't get this figured out um it's but it's it doesn't look great they held a players uh meeting only and all everything like that so like that's clearly not a great look like it means that there's like there's definitely some concern um i don't know I, I I don't think I think when push comes to shove, I still think I'm gonna give it to Buffalo just because I think their talent level is just a little bit higher. But they've been there before too. Yeah, but like I I think I think Miami makes it to the playoffs. I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna be out of it or anything. So yeah, I'm the Bills are so fickle for me. Like I know last year we were like we we're really high on them. I feel like this is just a very different team than in years past, right? Like. Yeah. And I think if that's if that's one thing to show like you should keep Dayball as the coach of the Giants is look how far that team, the Bills, have fallen off since he's left and how yeah, discombobulated and lost they look on offense and how this is gonna sound kind of strong, but how undisciplined Josh Allen has played over the last couple of weeks and last year and a half or so. Like he's kind of re- regressed back into that guy that's just like YOLOing balls all over the field. And it works when it works, but it definitely doesn't when it doesn't. And so I would imagine like if if the Bills continue to struggle this year and they don't perform well in the playoffs, I could see their offensive coordinator getting getting the axe because it's it's there's something about it, it that's just it's not congruent there. Is is it the offense or is it the defense? I feel like they're the defense they're struggling is too, though. Defensively like, more more than even offensively. Well, I mean, this team has been together for like a pretty long time, right? Um but I mean, you also got guys like Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, like they've been around for a while. And I mean, they lost, who was their cornerback that they lost? Um, can't remember his name down for the year with an injury. What team is this? Bills. Oh, Tredavious White. Yeah. So he's out. Um, I'm looking at their stuff. On... I mean, they picked up Rasul, Rasul uh, Douglas. Cool. <laughs> I mean, to make up for or I love that for him. <laughs> Mazel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, True Davis White, obviously one of the better guys in the league. Um, I don't know. I, I I think they, but they survived without him last year. So you know, true. I, I, I just I I can't just necessarily say that that's going to sink them. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not a great look. Um, I don't know. This is, it's just really, really tough. What happened? Um, 
They lost Damian Harris too. Where is their well the the running game has always been kind of a problem for them. It has right? been, you're right. And, it's always and been kind of eh. It's weird because their philosophy has been this very much running back by committee, but the committee has never really voiced its opinion. It is mostly fell silent year to year. Um, is it time that they just step away from that that type of philosophy for the run game? I mean, I get it. Like the run is not sexy. Nobody, people only have the run to keep things honest. But defenses don't even care anymore because linemen don't want to do run blocking. So. Well- I mean, the, the same argument is being made in Washington right now where they're they're like pass to run splits are like wildly like it's like 60, 40 pass to run. And people are kind of losing their minds about it. But the way the Washington offense runs, too, is they cover a lot of short passes as well that like effectively operate like the running game. The thing about. And Washington can run when they want to. The thing about Buffalo is they've never seemed to have a handle on like a consistent run game that they can lean on when they need to. Like James Cook had that one game where he hit like 150 yards or something like that. And it's been pretty quiet ever since then. And I think these guys are just, I think these offensive coordinators are just reading a little too deep into the analytic stuff where yes, obviously if you're throwing the ball, it's really like the receivers are kind of dictating the tempo of how the defense plays and the defense has to play much more reactionary and it's less predictable for them. But at the same time though, like stuff can also happen that like players can get sloppy timing can get thrown off and like you need a running game to wear people down. And if you don't like, Philadelphia is a great example of that. They will run the shit out of the ball and teams are exhausted by the end of those games and they can just run over people. They can pass on top of you, but they, the thing that I saw when they played Washington both times is their ability to convert on third down. It was all fucking running plays. And how demoralizing is that? If it's like a third and four and Mm -hmm. a team can run on you. Yeah, and and you're basically at the the mercy of Sirianni at that point, right? Yeah, and it ends up being like a 13 play drive, Gatto. Like that's like I might be a traditionalist, but I think that stuff still matters in the NFL from like a psychological perspective too, because you're just imposing your will on people. Fight me. I'm I, no, I I, actually, I, I was going to give you this. This is actually a good moment to congratulate your Washington Commanders on a big victory this is it past though? weekend. Is it, though? It's a fucking win. I is can't it time, say that. Is it time um, to congratulate them? T- <laughs> what did you see in that time. game? I didn't see the game. I didn't watch the game. Yeah, I had I, to pirate it off the internet because uh, we're being force-fed like a fucking Saints game or something. Um, it was... They've they've strung together a couple of good games in a row, and it looks like they've changed a lot of the protections and the philosophy around the offense to be like, we need to get the ball out faster. Like, we need to create quick throws and short passes that Howell can really use them. So I wrote down a couple of things of what I liked and what I didn't like. What I liked, Emmanuel Forbes was back on the field. He was actually their best defensive back the entire game. Um 
Quan Martin, who's a draft pick this year, who did not see a ton of playing time at the beginning of the season. He was the one that had the game ending pick. And he also is rated very high on PFF. Sam Howell played really well, like all things considered sands, the interception, but like threw the ball really well, had a really gutsy run. Um, and again, looks more confident. He only took three sacks in that game, but one of them was like a clear Andrew Wiley. Hey, I'm looking at something else that's shiny. Um, <laughs> what I can live with is the defense didn't really get a ton of a push up front. Um, I guess that's kind of a byproduct of when you trade your two best pass rushers, but it's also Jack Del Rio. Hey, figure this out. Um, <laughs> short yardage passing with no running attack is what we were talking about. And it's like, I can live with it, but like at a certain point, I want to see Brian Robinson, like go fucking nuts. And yeah, my fantasy uh, team would appreciate that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Terry McLaurin dropping that pass in the end zone was a bit of a fucking backbreaker, but um, I mean, he doesn't do that often. He doesn't. The ball went right through his hands, um, but it was a good throw by Howell. And the things that I can't live with, Sam Howell throwing that pick in the end zone to end the first half. That was fucking bad, dude. There's no way about it. He was flut. It was a play action to the right where he runs and drifts and drifts and drifts and is supposed to throw a pass into the end zone. Everybody was covered, and he said, fuck it. I'm just going to throw it in and see what happens. And with, somebody so Terry got to be, like, be out there somewhere. Yeah. Was, what, my question was, how much time was left at that point? Uh, it was like 30 seconds or so. 30 seconds. I mean, it can hurt you. Probably won't. Well, well they, were, they were driving, too, and I think they had a timeout as well, but the other piggyback go range. Yeah. They were like 15 yards out. Okay. Um, All right. It was close. It was bad. It was close and it was bad. It's definitely what you don't want to do, but the play that was called there is just garbage. It's one of those ones where you drift to the right and all the receivers run to the right. And there's not a ton of options because everyone's kind of running funky ass routes. So it's like um, a bootleg to the right. Were, were they like what trips or what were you? What was the? I don't recall off the top of my head, but there was a receiver in like the front half of the end zone and there was one in the back and they were both significantly covered. There was nobody running like an underneath route where Howell could just dump it off. Frankly, what they should have done because they were driving down the field, they should have just ran the ball there, let Howell catch his breath and actually run a play where he's got the whole field in front of him instead of like drifting to one third of the field. Um, another thing you can't live with Jahan Dotson, Diami Brown, both drop fucking touchdowns. Diami Brown had one go right through his hands. Jahan Dotson had one. I know that he Log. caught a touchdown, but like he's done that a lot this year and he makes fantastic catches, but you got to catch the normal ones, like the normie ones that matter. You got to hang on the to ones them. that won't end up on the highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. So all that to be said, Another pretty good week for Sam Howell. He's now second in the league in um, he's now second in the league in passing yards. Um, is, is he still first in sacks? He is, um, but that's a hell of a he, stat right there. <laughs> he took one two weeks ago and then three this past week, and things are starting to. Yeah, I mean he's thrown for over three hundred yards the last two games and has multiple touchdowns. So he's starting to. I think they're starting to understand how to play that game a little bit better. Um, I would also say too, like, I think he's got more completions right now. I think he's like tied for the lead in completions. I mean, he's, he's like got wow. 
he's the number one in big time. I was not throws. expecting that actually. <laughs> I mean, he's he's put it together, man. They've they've thrown him like way into the fucking deep end, dude. They are like whatever happens, you're gonna be you're gonna be playing a lot of football. Um, but he leads the league in big time throws according to PFF. I mean, those guys fucking love him. The the touchdown receptions are not there solely like he could have had four touchdowns this past game if guys held on to the ball. The interceptions, I think those will start to slow down a little bit once you know they get a little bit more settled, and the sacks will slow down as well. I didn't want to bring it up because you guys are already traumatized, but if um if Daniel Jones was still playing and played in every game, he'd have the same amount of sacks as Sam Howell would. I think more. I think more. Potentially more. By the end of the season, they'd just be like, fuck it. We give up. We're not going to play any linemen. Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was was a good game. They go play um, Seattle this weekend. They're going to Seattle. They won the last game there. So um, Seattle doesn't scare me as much as they used to a couple years ago, but you never know. The That's a weird field. I like how I just think he needs to, you know, just chill just the fuck out. Better... Well, I mean, again, it's like it's it's just the it's just protect himself. That's all it is. Like, because I do like him, I like everything about his game. I just think that he just needs to protect himself a little bit better. Yeah, I think they're, but I I will say, Q, I think they are onto something right now where they've completely changed the way that they're like they're running their passing attack, like. If you watch the early games, it was very much everybody runs straight down the field. Now it's like slots and slants and like um, like bubble screens and stuff like that. They're doing more stuff. His passing accuracy has increased too just because of that. I mean, it's easier to pass to make those throws, but they've also switched two guys on the offensive line. Tyler Larson is now the center and – um, Chris Paul is the right is the left guard. So CP three, a little bit bigger of a guy. Um, but Nick Gates is no longer starting, and Sadiq Brown is or Sadiq Charles is out of the lineup too. Probably for a good reason. Yeah, because they were booty cheeks. Nick Gates has a lot of enthusiasm, but Jesus fuck, he's bad. Yeah, I, I like I love Nick Gates, and you know. Obviously, soft spot for him. Yeah, I'd love him if he was my neighbor. It'd be fantastic. I don't necessarily want him to like protect me against like a Jalen Carter of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he he. I I saw it last year. I was like, he just doesn't look like he's you know really like the same guy he was. Um, so yeah, no. Yeah, I like you, but you're just not good at this. <laughs> Speaking of that people anymore, that are not good at this. Goodbye, Josh McDaniels. Rest in pieces, Joshua. They fucking hated him there, dude. It was wild. The stories that are coming out right now. Oh, my God. Did you hear that one from um, where they had like a players only meeting where they let the players say um, they let the players speak their mind? It was really, really pointed at McDaniels and Antonio Pierce got up and he's like, hey, man, we need to like put all this shit behind us and like. Like we're not the Patriots and like they did things their certain way. Um, and 
like as the Giants, like we wanted to be in every single game. We approached things a little bit differently. And he said he made a comment about the Patriots. Right. And then after that meeting, McDaniels comes up to Antonio Pierce. He's like, don't ever talk about the, the Patriots that way again. It's like, I'm the fuck down, my guy. I mean, that story has not been confirmed, but um yeah, I, I, I imagine like they really like you are right though. They fucking hated him. Yeah, because cigars like, the minute they heard the news, bro. Like imagine smoking so celebratory cigars. The fact that you just beat Tommy DeVito, uh, the Tommy DeVito run Giants, and like you're smoking fucking stoves after that. Really hilarious but shit. Did you all hear that they wouldn't allow the practice players on the sideline for the Raiders? When I did. Yeah. The team? That's did. weird to me too, though, because there's only like what it nine is. of them. Yeah, and, and it was something. It was a smart move by Antonio Pierce um, to allow them to be on the sideline because, like, it just didn't make sense otherwise not having them. And just I, I don't know. It's it's it just feels like a McDaniel's thing. It feels like he's just being a Patriots guy, you know, who's like, uh, you know, just like that old guard is dying, man. Yeah, it's it's just it's just like silly. No it's more. really silly stuff, man. Really, really silly and- stuff. And I don't know why you'd want to like replicate something like that because the players that played for New England, they've said like, "Hey, I mean, you go to New England and it's a v- very different experience there. It's not really fun, but yeah. you know, winning is fun. Winning is a good feeling. Winning is a lot but, of fun. But winters but in New England isn't fun. Who would have thought? I mean, but I, but I mean, like, if you do that somewhere else where you're not winning, it's just a shitty work environment." Yeah. I'm wondering though, are we gonna see Chandler Jones again? Do you think he'll come back? No. Um I he's he's like I hope I hope he's okay because he he does not look okay. Um I don't know if you've seen some of the videos of him on Instagram. Um the one video of where he's showing a dog on the screen and he goes, this is Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald's spirit is caught in my dog. Say hi to Larry, everyone. Like him oh, crying about Aaron Hernandez was killed by the government. He's, he's not doing well. So I, I just hope oh, he's, wow. uh, I just hope he's okay. Yeah. His goose might be cooked. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't look well. He doesn't look like a well individual. So um, no, I don't, I don't think he'll be uh, coming back. It's a shame, man. I really liked him. He's a good player. Really good player. Yeah. Damn. Some, yeah. All right, got him. Uh, what else you got? I mean, I guess we could get into either some picks for this upcoming week. Let's do a little preview like we like to do. A little rundown, yeah. if you may. Oh. Let's start with tonight's Chicago Bears, Carolina Panthers. Bears are three and a half. I think Bears. Uh, I'm taking the I'm Bears. Hope, I'm hoping Panthers because I uh, picked up their defense against the the kid from the Colorado School of Mines. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think the Panthers. The Panthers look lifeless. I, as a Giants fan, kind of screwed either way in this matchup. I'm, I'm rooting for the Panthers, but I just they're yeah. just not there yet. Yeah. The uh, the funniest thing about this is that Fox Sports has a prediction of 26-21 Bears-Panthers. Like, if, uh, if, 
if there's 21 points scored for the entire game, I would be shocked. I would take it's the very under. ambitious of them. Although I think Dante Foreman, I think so. By the way, Cleo Herbert is out, and I just picked up yes. Dante Foreman, and I'm starting him in two leagues because he's going to eat. Yeah, I tried to uh, trade Khalil Herbert to Paul, and he. I said, saw that nice, nice, nice attempt. Um, yeah, Foreman. Well, he Foreman's sent me some for what? For what Zeke? <laughs> no, I mean he sent me some garbage the other day. So I'm like, yo, I'm gonna do the same thing to him, and now he's all jammed <laughs> up in our text message group. If I'm picking a player to go off, I think it's gonna be. Uh, I think Foreman's gonna. I think Foreman's gonna eat tonight. Uh, Carolina defense, 31st, I think, or 32nd in rushing. Um, pretty much every rushing defense category possible. So uh, this is a smash matchup type uh, situation. So Foreman kind of been up and down the last few weeks, pretty efficient. But like, you know, like, like from a, a fantasy perspective, not putting up huge numbers. Um, but like this could be a Vegas situation, I think. Um, so I think he's, I think he's going to put up numbers this week. Yeah. That game starts in like two minutes, right? Yes, it does. Yep. Um, By the time you hear this, we'll probably have a result on it. I'm just going to watch hockey because that's way more fucking interesting than this game. I gotta be honest. Is it so? Also, all those Thursday night games. Very much so is. So um, let's go to the next. Actually, the, the line for that game moved to three points. Uh, so actually, and, and I actually feel more comfortable about taking the Bears at three. So uh, Patriots, Colts. Colts are favored by two points. Surprising to me. Um, I don't care if it's that the Colts are on the road. Two points is easy, easy grab for me. Yeah, I'm going to go Patriots in this one. Interesting. I want you to explain that. Well, Patriots are at home. And okay. they're going to. I mean, these are both shit teams. Like, Colts are pretty like they're 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 a tough team. I mean, I I think the um, the Patriots got embarrassed from their perspective. They got pretty washed up last week, and I don't think they're gonna let that happen again. I'm, so, I'm rooting for them. Trust me. This is this is the the infamous German game, uh, or the the fire. Oh, that's and right. Frankfurt this game's in game. Germany. So it's there's, not at there's home. Never rumor. mind. Give me the Colts. Give me the Colts. There's this rumor going on right now, though, that if Belichick doesn't win, that he'll be taking a flight home solo. And uh, I don't believe it. I totally dismay it. I don't. There's, there's no. There's way there's there is a zero. There is a zero percent chance. Zero this is, per- this I, I will say zero. People talking chance. about people talking about the NFL scripting shit. This is a rumor they created to get people to wake up early to watch that shit show. There's, there's that's all that fucking is. There is a like again, I, I have no doubt that he might be forced into retirement or fired at the end of the season, but there's no shot that they're gonna fire a Hall of Fame head coach, five you know, six whatever, five Super Bowl rings oh, the, the mid season. The there's amount no of shot. disrespect for that, especially that like it's not that they are having complete like giant games where they're just completely failing at all parts of the game. They're 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 losing, but they're still losing in ways that are sensible considering the personnel that they have there. Like am I delusional in thinking that the the Patriots just don't have the type of talent to actually 
make games interesting or competitive. Like that's my take on it. And that can be on, don't get me wrong. That is on Belichick because he's taken over so many roles in, in new England. But you know, I just, I don't see it possible. It's what happens when you, when you draft an entire team of OKGs, our kind of guys, and they're all fucking like ex pole vaulters from like Denison college. And they're not actual like, quality football players. That's true. Give me the Colts. Yeah. Let it ride. I'm not watching that game though. I'm not, I am not right high on Gardner Minshew too. Gardner Minshew. I feel like gets a bad rap in this league. The guy, he does all right. He does all right. He's okay. Middle of the road guy. He, he can be glue. I think he's okay. He's an, he's an okay player. Um, but like, yeah, I, I just think that the Patriots, I, again, I'm rooting for the Patriots here because that helps the Giants draft stock uh, if the Patriots win. But I just don't I just don't see it. So uh, Texans, six and a half dogs on the road to the Bengals. I got to be honest. Vegas I'm is assuming it. a lot's going to happen in that game. I'm with it, though. Bengals are back, man. They're fucking ready to go. Houston, they've been riding high. They're a much better team than they have been in the past, but they're still in that rebuilding phase. They're not there yet. No one expected them to be there. 46 and a half. I'm sorry. Go ahead, ahead, Gato. No, give me me that six and a half spread. It's fine. Joe Burrow's got an extra touchdown in there for him. He's got a lot in that bag. So 46 and a half is the over under, and it's literally the second highest of the week behind the Chargers and the Lions. So they do expect it to be a high scoring event. It's I'm, funny because Fox Sports is calling it 2220 Bengals. Yeah, I, <laughs> see, that's the thing is I don't think this is going to be a touchdown game for the Bengals, and especially because T. Higgins hurt himself in practice. He's probably not playing. Jamar Chase is kind of on the mend the back. Yeah, so, he heard his back last week. I still probably think the Bengals win this game, but do they win it by six and a half, seven points? I don't think so. I'm going to go. With, I'll take the Texans with the points. Hmm. No, I'm still holding, holding it down. We'll I figure would it out. with Texans to cover. Yeah, I, I just I, I think the Bengals win. Uh, I just don't think they win by seven. So I don't know. Uh, Browns are six and a half point dogs going into Baltimore. Baltimore rolls, baby. They yeah. might be the best team in NFL right now. I concur. Yeah, that's, that's the rumor. And the Browns, they're, I don't know, they're still like frauds to you, me. You got a nice performance out of Deshaun Watson last week, but it was very, very mid considering the money you're paying that guy. Did you guys see? I, I, I probably didn't see, but like there was a guy, I, I, DraftKings put out, uh, a, a, a tweet that or a, a post or whatever the fuck you call it now um, basically saying that some dude put a parlay to have the Texas Rangers win the World Series the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl and it was some other fucking some other thing but it was like oh uh, uh, who is it to win the NBA championship it was something it was something like realistic because especially at the Rangers win and it was going to be like it was like 50 bucks turned into like 500K and he cashed it out after the Rangers won the World Series and he got like 450 bucks from it. Mike, who the fuck would cash that out? 
Like, let that fucking shit ride. At least know. go two for three, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was weird, but I just like because like I do think the Ravens are a legitimate world like Super Bowl team this year. So like they They're are just so good, man. They've they've weathered a lot of storms, even when Lamar doesn't play all that well. Like they've they've been able but to do it, so unlike other teams that seem to thrive when they're beating, you know, the the lower ranked teams, they're whipping, they're destroying, decimating, shitting on fucking top teams in this league. Last week it wasn't even close with the with Seattle, man. They they didn't have a prayer's chance. It was absurd. Yeah, well, I mean, even going back to that Detroit game, like it was over. It was very oh, much over by like the Jover. first half. Jover. Yeah. Whew. It was Jover. I mean, and I think that just... I think that offense is starting like that Todd Munkin offense is really starting to round into form now. So they're they're beating that ass. I agree. Um Niners Jags. Uh Jags are three point dogs at home. I'm going to be a piece of shit, and I'm going to go Jags. You are a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I, uh, this is Stay tough. It. Come on, baby. Come to this Duval. Is, this is obviously tough because of the fact that the Niners have been kind of shit um, the last few weeks. But, no, there's no way they would lose four in a row. They've lost, like, three in a row at this point. No, I, I like the Jags, but I just – I don't – I this is – this Come is not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I'll take the Niners uh, <laughs> minus three there. I, I just – Come on, baby. I No, you know what? Get I on. think I have to go to the dark side with Q on this one. As much as I ride dark high side. on the Jags. Dark side? Yeah, I just always assume you're on the dark side of things. I don't know why. You have you have a lurking, menacing presence. Um, That's uh, so sweet. Thank you. Things. Thank you. But – uh. A lurking menace. Lurking. No, no, but but like to be to to be honest, like what does what do the 49ers do really well that the Jaguars don't do that great? And that's the the 49ers run the ball really well, and the Jaguars do not defend against the run very well. So I I just see C Mac probably snacking all day, and you know, if as long as they keep their shit relatively together, granted that the 49ers have been dealing with some offensive injuries and stuff, I think they'll be fine. You know? So that's, I'm just going to put this out in the world and you can take it how it is. The Jaguars have two guys in their secondary with, with three picks apiece. But I'm saying they're not throwing the ball that much. Not this game. I mean, at some point you're going to have to. We'll see. Um, all right. So hold on one second. So let's see. Apparently, Gatto's joining me on the dark side. Saints are three point favorites on the road against Minnesota. I like Josh Dobbs. It was a good story last week, but um, I'm not really. I don't think I'm picking the Vikings here. I think I'm going to go with the Saints. Saints have been like rage winning games, haven't they? Yeah. Like they're pissed you know how, at somebody and we're not entirely sure who. I think it's us actually um, for trashing Taysom Hill because he's become a red us. zone efficiency expert. And it's very fucking annoying because it's like, as we're talking about, this is not the way that your franchise needs to go down is having this 
weird feature back tight end quarterback thing. It seems to really still be working for them, and that defense holds together good enough. Yeah, the the New Orleans are a fucking weird. They're a weird team. Is the best way I can weird team from it. a weird place. Don't get me wrong. Love I enjoyed my trip Cajun there. food. I would totally love to go there. I would have. I'd actually love to go watch a game in New Orleans. It's a very fun place. You loved everything about New Orleans, but getting back from it. I don't think you heard me. Yeah, oh, I heard you. I think you. Loved I heard you. Oh. I'm ignoring. <laughs> I just didn't want to choose, choosing to ignore you. <laughs> he didn't want to relive it again. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Saints. All right. I guess so... the Saints go marching on this one. Oh, we got the Battle of the <sighs> Birds. <laughs> um, Packers, Steelers. This Steelers. might be the, this might be the lamest game of the weekend. The, I'm surprised. The, the... I'm surprised. I thought this game would be the lowest. Um, over under, and it's not. So I'm surprised by that. But yeah, it's it's a pretty shitty game. I'm gonna go with the Packers. Plus three. Mm. I'm gonna go Steelers just because they're at home, and Steelers. I think the Packers are just too inconsistent. It's the one I probably feel the least confident about. Yeah, because it's the game that everyone's going to see. Oh, that's on. What else is on? What's playing on TNT tonight? <laughs> oh, Avatar. Oh, Titanic's on. <laughs> Why is it? We, 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 we both went James Cameron, Cameron there. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we both go James because Cameron? Those are, those are two movies that one will be on Sunday on fucking TNT or TBS that's just like, oh, this is on. And then so you just funny. end up staying on that channel. Is that their new tagline? Oh, this is on. Hey, you're gonna watch it anyway. Yeah. We have these we have a market of very long movies that we play on the weekend during like major sporting events. I, I think it's gotta be Steelers though, because they just despite all reasons not to win, they still win. It's like the they way, prevail in spite of themselves. By it, the way, it doesn't make sense, they just get it done. Tickets to that, that game are $122 a piece. Like, fuck out of here. I ain't paying that. Uh, Titans, Bucks is basically a pick em. The Bucks are favored by a point. So. Wait, I what think is the this Bucks, again? Titans, Bucks. Titans, Bucks. I think the Bucks are just a better team. So I, 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 I'll pick them just solely out of that reasoning. Really nothing else. I will say this is the first time in a long time I'm actually interested in watching the Tennessee Titans play football. So I will give it up in that sense. The Mayo King. Will Levis. Dude, I'm going to start eating my fucking bananas with the rind on. The chairman of the board of Duke's Mayo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go uh, Tampa just to be different. I, I picked Tampa. I know, but I said it first. You didn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> fucking co-tailer um chargers three-point dogs to the lions at home i'm gonna go detroit on this one i yeah. i have no faith i have no fucking faith in the chargers to do anything right it's uh i it, they're also they coming off that bad loss uh two weeks ago they had an entire week to think about it 
Dan Campbell does not seem like a man who spends an entire week enjoying himself. I don't He's, think he slept. Probably not. If he did, it was like in a pile of leaves. Like, this is where I deserve to sleep until I win football games again. He slept like, on a bench pre- like a bench in his garage with the garage door open in Detroit. That's just like self-punishment. <laughs> just with like with like two hundred dollars worth of or two thousand dollars worth of like raw copper sitting behind him. Yep. It's like come at me, scrappers. I dare yeah, you. Yeah, you know, he's kind of a doomsday prepper, but from the stuff that doesn't normally like 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 resound off the shelves. He's trying to do you think differently. You think when he goes home, like he just like digs a little further for his bunker? Like he's just he just goes home and he just starts shoveling and that's how he works through his problems. He's got a he's giant hole cut through the concrete of his basement and he's just down there. And, he, and he's just putting a he's gonna put a grain silo in there. <laughs> I think he has like I th- I'm pretty sure he has like a, a smash room where it's just like he can just go in there and just rage and just break everything in there. Wait, you guys don't have one? No. Oh. Not not balling <laughs> like you, man. No, I'm just raging. There's a difference. <laughs> Any room could be a rage room. <laughs> if you I will it. say, you though. Be you don't got to be balling. You could be balling on a budget and fucking have a rage room. It doesn't something, have to be in your house either. Hot tip. That's true. Tom's house is my rage room. Something. Mm-hmm. His my banister? Not, That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> fucking raging in my basement. Um, I will say, and something to keep an eye on is that Jared Goff's numbers are weirdly close to what Justin Herbert's are in terms of production. And I think we need to start having a conversation because Herbert is in a lot of these, like who's the best quarterback in the league discussions, but his numbers, like aside from touchdowns are worse than Jared Goff. Is Jared Goff him? Are they the same person? Him? I don't know if he's him, but he's he's definitely um, better than people give him credit for. Big J is about to throw for forty six hundred yards this year. It's pretty good. It's, it's a long time coming, yeah. actually. The the uh, the one thing though is like there's a few of these conversations that can be had from this, right? Because there's also the Mahomes and Wilson comparison. It's like, but the games don't don't equate it's still just one player on a team of 22 right so i i don't know yeah and you got a big brain coach who's like his brain has died and he doesn't know how to coach anymore exactly he's like a ladybug on its back just doing one of these i don't think that is the problem for ladybugs maybe cockroaches but that's mean to cockroaches q who else we got Uh, right now so, oh, Bills Broncos, seven and a half. Hold on one second. Uh, no, we have a whole other. Next, we have next, more games to go for Sunday. Next, yeah, next one uh, is the Cardinals two point dogs at home against the Falcons. Kyler Murray is back. I will take the Fal- I will take the Cardinals there. I, I'm not believer in the Falcons. I don't like Arthur Smith. I don't think he's you know. I think he's a fucking smug coach. Um. Not playing Bajon Robinson, the guy you spent the seventh round. He, like he just thinks he's smarter than everybody else. So I just uh, I think Murray comes back, gives them a little boost. It's it's the last name, isn't it? You have a problem with people with the last name Smith. You know it. You should have heard go. this guy, Jerry Smith. Hate the guy. 
deeply ingrained in him. I'm going to go Atlanta just because I'm a Bijan Robinson um, fantasy owner, and I really, really need him to do fucking something. So I, I don't see them winning without him touching the ball at least 20 times. I mean, the one saving grace on the team I felt like was was Dobbs. He's gone. What, what do they got? What are they doing? Kyler, Kyler Murray's coming back. Kyler Murray's going to come back, but coming he, back from like a is he knee back? injury though? Yeah, is he back? I don't. I, I think I think they're both shitty teams. So I think and the I'm new gonna... Modern Warfare dropped like a week ago. Do you are you really willing to gamble on this? I think I think he'll be engaged just enough. It depends on where he is, like kill streak wise. Again, it's yeah. like they're they're dogs at home. So like, if he's bought the battle pass, it's over. Like he's not ready. <laughs> battle pass. Listen, two point two point dogs at home with your with the better quarterback. I'm I'm not that concerned about it. All right. Giants are Giants are seventeen point dogs. Next on the road to Dallas. Next, I'm taking Giants. Right, you, have fun, you have fun with that because <laughs> the odds are terrible enjoy, right so what happens that. if they just don't cover the spread by accident they will yeah they, you know what actually Gato, you make actually an interesting because point. they might they might sit half their fucking team that that is honestly like uh an, an extra bye week that they could no they're not gonna sit their team but like by the third quarter they could be like nah we're up by like we're up by two touchdowns who cares but no, no, they'll 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 win this pretty handily. I would say twenty four points. I would say I would say I'm gonna guess thirty five seven. Cowboys. Yikes! Win. I'm shocked you're actually giving the Giants seven. Yeah, I think they'll lock themselves into a See, touchdown. But here's the one one thing that is a caveat to me. I think this is where like people are like, oh, easy money. Giants maybe their defense shows up. Because it does sometimes in the past. And Cowboys offense isn't all that great. So there's just this chance to me that it's just under 17 points. It could be 14. It could be 15. Hell, it could be 16. But you don't know. I don't know. Who knows? You know? I don't. Yeah. Commanders are. He's he's over here doing his fucking crossword puzzle. Apparently, doing some Sudoku. I'm looking at the bets. He's looking at the bets. Commanders, Seahawks. Commanders are six six and a half half. point dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Seahawks have been pretty unimpressive to me. So the last couple weeks have been weird for them, right? Yeah. Am I making that up? No, no. They they've been pretty unimpressive. So I. I, I think I'll take the Commanders. Um, I don't necessarily think that they win, uh, but I definitely think they'll they'll cover. Yeah, that spread's pretty big, considering, like, who's on an uptick, who's on a downtick here. I think Washington covers. I don't know if they win, though. I think it'll be close. I mean, if you do, like, a side-by-side between Smith and Howell, Howell has been better. Um, DK Metcalf might play. He's questionable, but we'll see what that looks like tomorrow. It doesn't really matter anyway. He's a fucking zero this year. So he's been a real fucking zero. Who does? Oh, 
DK Metcalf. Panthers yeah. about to score. Thurs. Special teams touchdown. Oh, actually, it's probably going to come back. Oh, there we go. Keeping it interesting. Um, what do we got? Raiders, old. Jets, pick up. Raider, Raiders, Jets, um, Sunday night game. Have fun with that one. Give guys. me the Raiders. <laughs> one point dogs at home to the Jets. Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, I'll take the Raiders too. The Raiders got that Riz now, so they're set. They might still have enough juice left because it's going to run out, right? Like it will run out eventually. Yeah, they'll realize that they're actually just an ass team. Yeah, so they, it will run out eventually. But uh, as of right now, I think uh, I think that's a good that's a good bet. So I, I, it's it's weird, man, because it's going to be a real boring fucking game. Like Aiden O'Connell, like against the Jets D. Jets D is good, but fucking that D. Zach, Zach Wilson. Yeah, it's. A, Chef's kiss. Uh, but but fucking Zach Wilson can't fucking string a fucking series of fucking plays together to save his nah, life. Man, he's he's cooked. Oof. And it's yeah. It's just... They they look lifeless. They looked lifeless against the against the Chargers. And like that's the Chargers the are team you should be able game? to that's a Sunday night game. Yeah, they oh, had a chance God. to flex it, they did not. So they're like you live with this now. Yeah, so, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna enjoy this one. This they, is like the talk about how Aaron Rodgers was throwing before the game, the entire time. It's the fucking sickos committee are the ones that are like, nah, keep this at the prime time is, game. Is there something else going on on Sunday night? Is there like Academy Awards or some shit? <laughs> no, they're so. declaring war in a country like. <laughs> <laughs> they got the early advance on that. No, you would want you want to, if they were doing that, Tom. They would want like the Chiefs and the fucking Chargers or something like to keep oh, everybody's yeah, eyes yeah, no, off of it. Um, Depends on what war they they're choosing to fight. It, this has got the lowest over under of the week, lower than tonight's game, um, thirty seven points. So it's not going to be fun. Uh, Monday night game though, Bills I think that's still high. seven point favorites against the Broncos. I think this is a get right game for the Bills. I'm gonna take the Bills by a touchdown. Yeah, Bills are 78 or 79 percent favorites. I will say though, when the Broncos lose, they lose close. That is true. Yeah, that's a good point. But seven and know. a half might be enough of a margin for them. I mean, Denver's three and five. Their defense is booty. They've scored 172 points and they've given up 226. Buffalo scored 240 and they've given up 160. So, I mean, it's it's Jover for them for Denver anyway. It's probably like a 31-20 game. And that 20 so is generous because I have no fucking clue where it'd come from. Yeah. And there you have it. That's week 10 right there in a nutshell. The saddest yeah. week of them all. It's it's a bad it? slate. It's a bad slate. It really is. Compared the last to last week. Been, well, the last two weeks have not been good. Last week was was a good slate of games. It was like anybody could talk about was the slate of games. You know, each each slot had a had a key matchup. 
maybe. Yeah, it's just bad. It just looks. It just like there's really <laughs> nothing to grab from it that like I'm like even like remotely interested in. So I mean, it's hockey season. You know, no one cares about the NFL anymore. Is it hockey season? Oh, it's always hockey season. Word. Assholes and picks of the week. Let's go. Who wants to go? Um, let's, uh, I'll just go with Barstool Sports for um, elevating that lady that was like, motherfuckers are not real on planes. Did I do this last weekend? You weren't or here last, last week? week. You weren't here. Oh, yeah. So uh, the motherfuckers not real on the planes lady. Mm-hmm. They they she's now part of Barstool. Um, for what reason? Uh, more and more, it's starting to sound like she basically fabricated an all like a situation on a plane filled with people trying to go to places. And uh, no, no, and, no. I, well, like, what is Barstool Sports doing with her? I don't know. They're bringing her on, making her a fucking part of the crew or something. They had this like. They had this like honorary like welcome to the group thing, and like she sat down and was like, "Oh, you're the one that's into feet," and it was like, uh, "Ah!" And they had an interview thing, and I don't know what she's gonna fucking do for them. She's there for the likes and the clicks. The fact that they're indulging this fucking individual who you know that sounds like a chat GPT thing where it's like the lady from the plane joins Barstool Sports in 2023, and it's like, sure, yeah, why not? Yeah, and and I was just like, let's not, let's not take these people and make them more viral at any cost necessary. Like, she held up passengers on this flight that had an echo effect, ripple effect across fucking tons of different flights and airports and everything because she wanted to go viral. So fuck her. Like, I don't even know. She was probably on drugs. I honestly don't even know what that whole thing was about. Honestly, like. I don't. She I, won't really disclose it, which makes me believe it was staged more. And yeah, more. it's bullshit. Yeah, it's so weird. If you won't talk about it more, like even if you're to be like, yeah, I was on like sleeping medication or like anti-anxiety pills because I don't like flying. Like people would have been like, okay, yeah, no, that's just a weird situation. But she's like, I really don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about it. And then she like makes some weird like shadowy kind of like thing to like distract you or make you think that it, it was like you know an altercation with somebody she may or may not have known and i think it's all just fucking staged and fake and bullshit i do too because yeah stupid yeah yep. it's dumb. so assholes barstool don't indulge these fucks stop it even though carny fucking sports events are now their new thing because they're out of content. They got nothing. Hear what you got. Yeah. Joe Manchin's not seeking re-election, guys. So after the last few years of just being a complete fucking annoyance and thorn in the side, he's now finally going to retire and essentially just hand the GOP a Senate seat um, next year. So thanks a lot for nothing. Fucking hope your career rests in piss. <clears throat> Damn. Yeah. I got nothing for him. Like, go away. Best of <laughs> luck in your retirement. You probably got like three years to live. It might have it might as well have been a You're Republican old. seat anyway, because he actually didn't vote for any like 
Yeah, that that's the one. That's the one caveat to all this is that it really, I guess, in the, in the turn doesn't really matter all that much because of the fact that like it's not like he ever really did anything for the party anyway. So exactly. Um, my continue. Continue. My asshole of the week is going to be a continuation of who my assholes were last week, but it's Michigan University of Michigan football fans who are like dousing the Twitter sphere in absolute piss and shit because their guy got caught, but they're blaming everybody else. That's me dumping piss and shit on myself like I'm a Michigan I, fan. Prove it. <laughs> Um, they're just like, they're just completely unhinged, like lunacy of like, everybody's doing it. See, we have all of these like anonymous, like Reddit threads that say that everybody was doing it. It's like, guys, your boy got caught. Like he got caught multiple times. Like people don't quit jobs when they're innocent. The guy who was doing the science dealing was going to places, paying money to sit in the stands or sit on stand on the sidelines and just like like raid people with advanced scouting, quote unquote. So the people on um, the people on Twitter that are doing the heavy lifting for Michigan for getting caught, you're my assholes. But like, have you have you delved into any of this? Like the sophistication. Like the level of work that had to go into getting this stuff and doing this stuff is ex- is expansive, and there's a lot of proof that they fucking did it. And like, there's it's one pretty thing bothersome. Do- it's pretty bothersome because like uh, Brett Bielema said, "Hey, I mean, what happens is like coaches will share information about other teams with like other coaches." The difference is, though, is that you have a guy who's going to these stadiums pretending to be somebody else, like wearing official like unit like garb from the from that institution and just like rating people's information. And Mm -hmm. that shit's really fucked up. Um, It's it's not too far. Yeah, it's it's not that people figured out science is that they were going to a great extent to get all that information and gather it. And it's funny. I posted it in our discord channel, but the difference between before Connor Stallions was there and then after the fact, it's like a stark difference in their record and their like um, their points scored versus points against and. I mean, I've never been a huge fan of John Harbaugh. He's also served a suspension for lying to the NCAA this year. Like, this isn't a guy with a completely, like, untarnished record. He has done some shitty things also. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. Nope. Are you trying to defend your boy right now? No, 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 no. (laughs) And he's definitely not my boy. Um, I think we've always had that joke that he's the guy that goes into a – a Chili's and demand something off like the Applebee's menu, you know, he's that and won't leave guy. until he gets it. Yeah. He's and he's fucking, he's like, right about it. He's like, the customer's always right. You know, that guy. Um, it's just, you know, a, a part of it is like, um, I sit there and I go like, is this like, are, are just the best coaches, just the best at cheating. I sometimes wonder that. Because there was does, a lot of it does feel like that. that that interview recently that uh, Josh McDaniels 
during his uh, blow up time before getting the head coaching job for the for uh, the Raiders that um, the reason he was so impressive was really just that he was stealing information or, you know, he just. Yeah. Yeah. He knew where the play was going to be. So and like their whole argument is like, well, other teams do this all the time. It's like, right. And yet you've been caught. (laughs) That's the other thing, too, is like it doesn't change the fact that other teams are doing this. But like if there's if there's a ton of people stealing from someplace and you're the only person to be caught by the police, they're not going to just let you go. Like, oh, yeah. all these other people are, you're right. <laughs> Sorry, we'll take the cuffs off now. <laughs> and for that one team that's not doing it, right? Like, they're they're the real victims here, right? And inevitably, but, like, we're all losing out because we're getting a bad product. We're getting less entertainment, less competitive sports. It's not good. Fucking, and then someone gets drafted because they look amazing and fucking, then they shit the bed. Mm-hmm. And, who has come out of Michigan as of the last couple of years, right? That has been fucking floundering. Anybody? No quarterbacks. No quarterbacks. We'll see what JJ McCarthy. I, 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 I'm a little higher on JJ McCarthy, I think, than some of you guys are. But if if it is found out that they were like just stealing shit, then I'm gonna be less enthused, of course. Yeah. It'll be I'll be interested to see how this Penn State game goes and some of the other games that are coming up. But uh, let's move on to picks. Um, Q, let's go with you. So the new Alexander Payne movie is coming out. If you've ever seen um, Sideways, one of my favorite movies, um, Nebraska, there is a movie coming out called The Holdovers, one of my favorite actors, uh, Paul Giamatti. It's already getting like universal praise. uh, So I'm super, super into this. It's kind of like a coming of age Christmas movie type of type of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm the, the trailer. It looks like it was shot on film. It wasn't um, really, really impressive stuff. So I just like every movie I've ever seen him do is, has been really great. So, and plus I'm huge Paul Giamatti Stan. Nice. Yeah. I saw the, um, I saw the preview for it when I went to go see Oppenheimer and I was like, this movie's going to be like dryly funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's very much seems like where it's gonna be. So I'm really I'm into it. Nice, Gato, what you got? Uh, I am very intrigued with this upcoming Netflix film, The Killer. Oh, Ooh, I mentioned that, that last was, week. Yeah. Dude, oh, was, did you? Yeah, yeah last, last week it, it seems like it's very much up, up my alley too. Yeah. So, sorry. No, no. Let's talk about it. Oh no! It just looks fucking good from the fucking trailer. I've uh, I'm I'm intrigued. Anything David Fincher is, you know, something that I, I'll give a watch to. So fucking a, um, especially since like this is kind of this like in his wheelhouse, right? Like with Seven and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, what was the other? Didn't he do um the serial killer series too? Manhunter, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did Manhunter. Like it's like this is what he does, and he does it some of the best. I so, agree. yeah. So, um, my pick of the week is going to be a continuation from last week as well. Um, I had never seen um, the Haunting of Hill House in full. I had watched like the first couple episodes, but 
I just never got around to finishing it. I restarted it this past week and holy shit, that series rocked. That was so good. Um, I, again, like, I think we've all watched like haunting a Bly Manor. Um, the one that just came out, um, the fall of a house of usher and a couple yep. other ones. The only one we didn't like was uh, midnight club, which I think was generally not liked by anybody. Yeah. I, I didn't really care for that, but the, the storytelling and that entire show, again, just super well cast, super well written, well shot too. There was a number of episodes that felt like it was a stage play where they're just these very long, no take shots. And I don't know if they were actually no takes, but they did it in a way where it did not feel, it felt like it was just one long running scene. Um, again, the stories are great and you think they're going to be like terrifying and horrible, but what they end up is being like really, really emotional. And like that, that whole show, that whole like Flannery-verse or Flanniverse or however they call it, like <laughs> the universe that he's created with all of the shows, <laughs> they really get to you because the yeah. there's a total like like tone shift like in the last two episodes or so where it's terrifying and then it's like really, really gets to you. So if you haven't seen it yet, The Haunting of Hill House, fantastic. I'm actually going to try and read the Shirley Jackson book um, when I get a hold of it because that's what it's based off of. This guy reads. I got a book right now called Sinkable about our weird obsession with a Titanic. You, you think you're better than us? Is that what you're trying to say? I no. read stuff too. They're fucking called comics and they're great. Mad Magazine doesn't count. <laughs> Dude, I would fucking pay for a Mad Magazine right now. It's been a minute. Well, you probably can. You can go to the store and get one. <laughs> yeah, but every time I pick them up, they're like the pages stick together. It's oh, fucking terrible. That's that's gross. That All right, upsetting. we're getting the fuck it's out of here. It's my fault. <laughs> Folks, thanks for coming for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Hope you liked this one. This is a longer episode for us where we just kind of ranted and rolled about it. But Hope you enjoyed it. If you liked it so much, do us a favor, like and subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms. Tell your loser friends as well about this show. Um, and also you could message us like, what do you want to hear about? What do you want us to talk about? We're talking a lot about the NFL right now because it's the shiny object in the room. But we can get into any other sport that you want. Um, and we will see you all next week. Later. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>